This is Statehouse Blend, Missouri. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast began in 2015, and just as in the Missouri politics and government that we've tried to cover with depth and fairness and occasionally even humor, these have been eventful years. We've hosted legislative debates and podcast parties, forums on guns and education and why people of color aren't more represented in the halls of the Capitol. We've talked with top legislative leaders and freshman representatives before they cast their first vote. We've seen the election of a governor unlike any other, and that governor's fall and resignation amid scandal. We've seen tax cuts and budget cuts, bitter partisanship, and every once in a while, legislators reaching across the aisle to accomplish something together. Today, this episode, we'll take a look at the 2020 legislative session getting underway this week. It promises to be another doozy, with partisan division increasing across the country, elections for most statewide offices, plus the whole House and half the Senate looming, and redistricting on the horizon, too. There's a lot to take in, but you'll be taking it in this year without Statehouse Blend. The podcast is going on hiatus as KCUR devotes its resources to other avenues for bringing you all the latest political and government news from Jefferson City and around the state. I do hope you'll seek out those avenues, including great reporting from my KCUR colleague, Aviva Okuson-Haberman, plus daily reports from the Capitol and our public radio partners across the state. You can find that coverage online at kcur.org or on the air at KCUR 89.3, day in and day out. I will be listening, and I hope you will be too. But don't unsubscribe from our feed quite yet. We'll occasionally share something here, and we'll let you know what's next. Anyway, before we go, with the session kicking off on Wednesday, the 8th of January, we do want to bring you a preview. And for that, we turn to another great source for political news, KCUR's daily talk show, Up to Date with Steve Kraske. Steve spoke with Jacqueline Driscoll of St. Louis Public Radio and Brian Houseworth of Missouri Net about what to expect this year in Jeff City. Joining us from the State House in Jeff City to talk about the 2020 session are Jacqueline Driscoll. She's a State House reporter for St. Louis Public Radio. Jacqueline, good morning. Good morning. Brian Houseworth is also with us again. He's a news director for Missouri Net. Brian, good morning. Good morning to you, Steve. As we sit here today, Jacqueline, is there one issue that you expect to dominate the proceedings this year, or do you expect the issues and the attention to more or less be all over the map? You know, you're asking the new kid on the block how a new legislature (laughs) is going to um, have a year of legislative session. From what I've heard talking to lawmakers, it it seems like the Democrats have a really clear path that they'd like to take and the Republicans have a really, really clear path that they'd like to take. Both are very different. Um, Democrats want to focus on things like gun control and health care. And I've heard from the Republicans that they want to talk about um, urban violence, the budget and uh, clean Missouri. So Hmm. my initial projection is it's going to be all over the place. But Brian may know better than I. What do you think, Brian? (laughs) I think uh, Jacqueline's spot on. I mean, obviously. It's a tale of of two different things. And and the Senate priorities are always different than the House priorities. But in terms of one big issue right now, I would say one of the biggest issues we are going to see this year, and it's not really a partisan issue, is gambling. I I have to put that right up near the top because it's so big. We're going to see a sports wagering bill. There's, I've been told by another source, there's another bill that's going to be filed. We already have a couple of bills out there. The Denny Hoskins bill is huge, but these illegal, alleged, I should stress, alleged illegal swap machines, and Jacqueline and I have been at multiple hearings, 
that is going to be a big issue because we potentially could have a battle even within the Republican caucus. Dave Schatz, the Senate president pro tem, has filed a bill to essentially crack down on the alleged illegal slots. There's a big problem, according to the Lottery Commission, along the I-44 corridor. And as you know, there are um, Republican operatives that support these machines. And there's a big trial going to be coming up in Platte County that ultimately could decide the whole thing that probably will end up in the Supreme Court. So I I would say that would be one of the biggest issues, if not one of the biggest issue we'll see uh, in this coming year. Well, let's go with that for a moment. And either one of you maybe could take this question. But there's lots of talk, too, about sports gambling and legalizing sports gambling. Any sense yet of what that would look like if it does come to Missouri? Because so many states now are looking at it and Missouri and Kansas are among them. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take that first, um, Steve. There there were five hearings that took place this fall, starting in August all the way through the interim, and Major League Baseball testified at the last one in November. And Denny Hoskins probably has the best blueprint, when I say best, easily to read, because there's a couple other bills that will be filed. But looking at his, the gaming would be on the 13 riverboats. You'd be able to bet on professional and college sports on 13 riverboats in Missouri. And then you would you could do it on your phone as well, but it would have to be a phone in the state of Missouri. A lot of lot of talk about at these hearings about how would they do that. In other words, how would they know if I'm in the state of Missouri and mm-hmm. I place a bet? And they say apparently you can do that. But that is uh that's something they're looking at and the Major League Baseball representative who was here from New York testified that he predicts Missourians will wager five point five billion with a B dollars on sports wagering if it's legalized. That's what he predicted. And no doubt this would be seen as pretty easy tax revenue, I guess gambling revenue, for the state of Missouri, and the state needs more money, Brian. Well, that's exactly right. And the numbers that he gave, and again, we'll have to wait and see what happens because I mentioned $5.5 billion. I thought the number was a little low. He said the casinos... Uh, would get about $376 million out of that, and that the state would get $37 million. Now, that is according to this uh, this person who was testifying from Major League Baseball. Obviously, it depends on what the final version of the bill is. It depends if they add a tax, et cetera. But every bit is going to help. I thought it would actually be a little bit more than $37 million, but he compared it to the New Jersey law if it goes through. The Hoskins bill, and it ultimately depends on how many people gamble. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was testimony at a lot of the hearings that I covered that the people in Kansas City, a lot of them are driving up to Iowa to gamble on the weekends at these NFL, for NFL and college games because there's no place to do it in Kansas City. So a lot of it remains to be seen about how many people will do it, but hopefully that'll give people at least an estimate. And just speaking, it, yeah, oh, go sorry, ahead, just speaking from my background, being in Illinois where they just legalized it, um, it the revenue projections were all over the place mm. in Illinois when they were when this was going through the legislature, but um, it didn't seem some some studies suggest that it didn't seem like a sustainable um, revenue generator. Um, it seemed like it was going to provide a lot of money right off the top, and then it may kind of teeter out a little bit. I think in Illinois they passed uh, legislation that that said that it was it was about ten million dollars for a license for these people to get in order to have legal sports betting. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting as it unfolds throughout the legislature. As we sit here today, do the two of you expect that we're going to see sports gambling become a reality uh, in the wake of the 2020 session? I would say 
based on the fact that Dan Scholl had five hearings and they went three hours. Jacqueline and I were at all of those. We're talking three-hour hearings, so 15 hours of testimony. It was a priority for the speaker to do it. And the fact that Dan Scholl is uh, pushing this, the fact that Denny Hoskins is pushing this, yes, I expect that there will be a sports wagering bill that passes. Now, will it be the Hoskins version? We don't know at this point. What I don't know, Steve, in answer to your question, will there be something that passes to crack down on the alleged illegal slots? That's much more controversial. But yes, I do expect there will be a sports wagering bill that passes, and it's hard to tell at this point, um, you know, what what it will be. But probably it'll be something along the Hoskins line. And we can definitely count on the fact that this is not going to be on party lines. We've got Republicans yes. who don't support it, and we have Democrats who do. So it'll it'll be interesting. That's right. Let's turn to a different issue of greater import here in in Kansas City, perhaps, for a lot of people. The mayor, Quentin Lucas, wants help dealing with violent crime. So does the mayor of St. Louis, for that matter. They want tougher gun restrictions. They want better witness protection programs to make it easier for witnesses of crimes to, you know, to speak to police without fear of retaliation. The governor has said he wants to help out here, but legislative leaders have also said there's not a lot of interest. How do the two of you size this one up. I mean, Brian and I, again, we attended that press conference and it was interesting to see the mayors and the governor and the police chiefs, for that matter, kind of all on the same page after they'd been meeting several times. But we haven't really seen it come to fruition. I mean, we haven't really seen many pre-filed bills. Um, We've seen I've I've spoke with um, Speaker Har, who said that he's going to be very hesitant on any type of gun reform that was talked about at that at that press conference where the governor said that he he did support some uh, some of the red flag laws and passing a state law to keep uh, handguns out of the hands of minors. But yeah, Brian and I haven't really seen a whole lot come to fruition after that. I agree with Jacqueline. And we, we take a close look at the bills that are filed every day. Jacqueline and I both do, Steve, as do you. And, and I don't think anything like that has been filed. But as Jacqueline pointed out, witness protection, is is really the biggest thing because witnesses are being threatened in some cases they're being killed uh, that's happened in st louis multiple times and then we've got the mental health pilot project that the right. mayor mm-hmm. mcclure talked about in springfield that they wanted to take statewide and then basically taking the making sure that people under the age of 18 don't have a gun and that already is federal law but they want to pass a, a companion bill now the only thing that i can think of right now we haven't been able to speak to the governor uh, for several weeks because obviously the Christmas holidays, maybe they're waiting until after the governor unveils something at the state of the state. But I thought the most powerful thing in Jacqueline's story that she did in her preview was the fact that Speaker Har seemed to be at odds with the, uh, as I read the story, seemed to be at odds with the governor. I thought that was very powerful. And the only other thing I would add, Steve, is when the Legislative Black Caucus met with the governor this fall, and Jacqueline was there too, Representative Ashley Bland Manlove from Kansas City came out and she told Jacqueline and I and the rest of the press that the governor wanted to do more, but he could not because of his Republican caucus. She said that on the record. Well, help me understand this, because people listening might be shaking their heads here. Given the homicide counts in the two big cities, you would think that lawmakers would want to respond more aggressively than what I'm hearing the two of you describe, or am I missing something here? No, I I think that both the Democrats and Republicans are prioritizing, especially urban violence, especially the spike that we've seen recently. 
my understanding in speaking with them is they just have different ways of getting there, right? Democrats are very interested in passing, you know, certain types of red flag laws. They would love to see stricter background checks. Um, but they also want to make sure that they have uh, people have access to mental health programs. Mm-hmm. I spoke with uh, Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, who spoke specifically about the suicide rates among farmers um, in Missouri and how that is becoming a priority and maybe a way to kind of snake into some gun reform or or, or really ensuring that more Republicans are on board with the mental health um, access. But Republicans, uh, specifically Har, said that he wants to talk about police retention problems that they've been seeing in the state, and they want to make sure that law enforcement have the tools necessary to be able to properly crack down on this violence and, and getting illegal guns off the street. So I think that urban violence is certainly a priority and something that we will hear spoken about a lot during this legislative session. It's just they have different ideas of how to make it a safer state. So the issue is how much gun legislation do you pass given the the foothold that the NRA has in Missouri? Maybe that's the pivot point here. Certainly. And and I mean the Republicans as I mentioned in speaking with Speaker Har pretty much everything that I suggested that the Democrats would like to present or pass, and even some things that the governor has said that he supports. He says, unless I see specific language, I have serious concerns, and I don't think that the my Republican caucus, his Republican caucus, has any appetite for passing any type of reform. Hmm. Another hot issue may well be a call to raise the gasoline tax hmm. by a few pennies, Brian. The state has taken several shots at this in recent years and fallen short each time. What do you expect this time around? Well, I think that the big the big bill that we're going to be following will be in the Senate with the Senate Transportation Committee Chair Doug Leibla, who has passed a bill in the past two years ago. It was a very similar bill. This year, it's two cents a gallon increase he's looking at. I think six or seven cents on the diesel tax it would take it up to 23 cents. Pretty modest. Uh, it, it is. And they could do that under Hancock without putting it to a vote of the people. He says that's the that Hancock could, amendment that limits how much of a uh, how much of a gas, how much of any kind of tax increase you can pass in Missouri. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. But he said it would raise one hundred and forty four million dollars a year for Missouri transportation. The counties and cities would get one hundred million dollars out of that. Uh, the cities and counties, forgive me, would get about forty four million. The state would get one hundred million. The big question is, are there enough votes from Republicans to pass it in the House. Uh, Speaker Hart told Jacqueline for her preview that he really doesn't support a gas tax increase. However, I've spoken to Representative Chuck Basie, who represents a very red district in mid-Missouri. He says his constituents, three to one, support a gas tax increase. So again, Republicans are not all united on that, but that will be a big issue. But one thing uh, Libel told me also, Steve, is that toll roads are dead on arrival. He will not consider them. Why is that? Because he said the exemption for I-70 has passed. He also said he's he's tired of people bringing up Oklahoma. He says Oklahoma is also 17 cents, Missouri 17 cents. But he said that in Oklahoma, everywhere you have to go, you have to drive on a toll and pay a toll. So he said, and then you still have to pay for the gasoline. So really, with transportation, him being the chairman and he can kill it, it is probably dead this year, any sort of toll road proposal. 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to Up to Date on KCUR. We're talking uh, this morning in our first segment, uh, offering a, a, you a preview of the Missouri General uh, Assembly session that kicks off this week down in the state capitol. Different topic. There's been a lot of interest in this high-tech idea of a hyperloop between Kansas City and St. Louis, Jacqueline. This is that elevated tube that would run along I-70 and shoot passengers between our two cities in just a matter of minutes. No less a, a figure than the very conservative speaker, you've mentioned him here this morning, Elijah Haar, says this technology would make the state the gateway to the world. It would cost the state millions. Is it going to happen? You know, as personally, as I would be very happy to see it happen, right? I've never been to Kansas City to enjoy the barbecue yet, so I would love to do it in just a few short minutes. Um, I can't predict uh, what the what the lawmakers will do on this. Honestly, when I went new to Missouri and I'm seeing such an issue with just basic road repairs, I can't imagine they would have any appetite to come up with any type of new revenue stream for this high tech, almost like futuristic type of travel technology that I, I haven't even seen. Brian, the state share here would be tens of millions of dollars, if I understand right. It would, and Jacqueline's correct in that we haven't seen any specific legislative proposal on it. A lot a lot of it right now is just in the initial stages. At least we haven't seen a lot of the specifics. Now, Speaker Har will have a press conference, we believe, on Wednesday, the opening day, uh, uh, opening day of, of session. He and Crystal Quaid likely will have one back-to-back. He may bring it up at that point. He'll bring up his priorities as well. But it's hard to say, and Jacqueline's point is well taken in that you have roads that are uh, crumbling right now, and how are they going to pay for this? Now, maybe there'll be a new revenue stream that we're not aware of. Maybe there'll be a grant. I haven't seen anything like that, though. You know, one issue that's sure to generate a lot of controversy is this attempt to overturn the Clean Missouri ethics measure that voters approved in 2018 with something like 62% of the vote. This is a plan to reduce spending on gifts and basically clean up state government. One part of it dealt with redistricting and this attempt to make legislative races more competitive. Republicans who control the General Assembly hate this idea. They want to overturn this part of clean Missouri. Jacqueline, what do you see happening on this front? Uh, You know, I've been told that this will be the first topic that we see coming to the Senate floor. Um, This is something that the um, uh, several Republicans are prioritizing, but also some members of the Democratic caucus would like to see it changed as well. Specifically, the Legislative Black Caucus isn't on board with it. Um, So I do anticipate to see a lot of conversation. When I spoke with uh, Speaker Har, again, he said that he didn't want to overturn the will of the people, right? He was very careful about that because um, the voters did approve this. He mentioned that he just wanted to make sure that he was giving them another option, specifically with this legislative redistricting process, because some of the Republicans say that there were too many topics in that amendment. Um, There was a ruling on this, and they they struck it down, and they said that that amendment was perfectly fine. But um, they want to make sure that voters have a clear idea of what they are voting for on the ballot. So it's definitely going to be a hot topic of discussion. Brian, there's a lot of politics playing out here. Democrats uh, thinking they can pick up seats under this proposal in the General Assembly. Republicans thinking that maybe their two-thirds majorities might be uh, somewhat in jeopardy here. Am I seeing that right? 
That's basically right. Uh, right now, and they'll have uh, six new members in the House that will be sworn in. So after Wednesday, let's say at 1210, the number is going to be 114 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and one vacancy, and that is the Rebecca Raber seat in, in Lee Summit. But ultimately, you're spot on, Steve. The, the Republicans want to keep that 109. 109 is what you need for two-thirds majority. They're at 114 right now. But the other thing that we should point out is that whatever passes, whatever comes out of, of shots in the Senate will go over to the House. Jacqueline's point is well taken. There are members of the Legislative Black Caucus that have sided with Republicans on this issue because they're trying to protect seats in the two inner cities. And the other thing that should be pointed out is whatever passes, almost certainly there'll be a lawsuit filed the next day in Cole County Circuit Court. Every time any bill like this is passed, immediately we see a lawsuit and it's taken over to Cole County Circuit Court. So that will likely happen as well. It seems like it's every year it happens. And I'll say to Minority Leader Quaid um, mentioned specifically that she knows that this is coming and she is going to do everything she can to make sure that clean Missouri stays intact. Okay, Missouri remains the only state in the country without a prescription drug monitoring program, although it's come close to passing one in recent years. This is a program whereby pharmacists anywhere in the state can see which prescriptions you've been given in an attempt to cut down on abuse, opioids, that kind of thing. Is this year the year that one passes here? I think I think it's going to be close, but I think it all depends. Will the governor bring it up in the state of the state address? Uh, if, if it's in the state of the state address and a governor's recommendation, I think that it does pass. And, and uh, Because Senator the governor's Paul, support scene is so pivotal in a, really, in a really divided issue like this one? I would say yes, and he would provide political cover to conservatives who are, are going to probably face primary challenges uh, from people who are concerned about privacy issues and things like that. But it's not it's no problem in the House. It has bipartisan support in the House. Howie Rader is the bill sponsor. It's passed there every year with 110-plus votes. Speaker of the House, the Speaker pro tem, the majority leader, all Republicans back it. All the Democrat uh, leadership backs it as well. The problem will be, Steve, in the Senate Conservative Caucus, so six members of the Senate that basically blocked it last year. And when I spoke, I spoke specifically with Speaker Har again about this uh, for my legislative preview story, and he mentioned that he anticipates it's going to pass through the House just fine, again, as it has for many years, but he doesn't see any specific um, changes taking place in the Senate for it to get through, so he doubts that it will pass. But again, it just depends on the appetite and and how uh, the governor presents it, as Brian mentioned, um, to see if it does get passed. It is important, though, to mention that several cities and counties have their own type of local um, prescription drug monitoring program. So even though there isn't a statewide one, several cities and counties do do this on their own. But there definitely is um, a, a need or a desire for a statewide program as well. Maybe just a final issue here. There's also talk about legislation that would limit property tax increases. This may be a result of what's been happening here in Jackson County as a result of reassessments. Some homeowners seeing uh, double-digit, big double-digit increases in their property tax uh, uh, bills this year. What do you see happening on that front? I covered a hearing uh, that was in November, um, Steve, and it's chaired by Jay Eggleston, who's the assistant majority floor leader. 
And we'll see what happens. Again, I, I, a lot of it could be about governor's recommendation, but there were two things that he said to me at the end of that hearing. Number one, he wants to see the the Jackson County and the St. Louis City assessor positions become elected. According to him, those are the only two that are appointed around the state. And he's also concerned about tax, seniors basically being taxed out of their own homes. And the only other thing I'd point out is that in Jackson County, you're right, there's been a lot of controversy about the uh, the rates and there's been criticism, things like that. But at the hearing, there were some Republicans and Democrats who said that Gail Beatty was fixing a problem that existed for years and she was only mm-hmm. really getting it right. So there's two different perspectives there. But everybody agrees that there have been some major increases uh, in Jackson County. That was Brian Houseworth of Missouri Net and Jacqueline Driscoll of St. Louis Public Radio talking with KCUR's Steve Kraske. And that's it for this episode of Statehouse Blend Missouri. I'm Brian Ellison. You can follow me on Twitter at PTSBrian. And like I said earlier, keep listening for all the latest to KCUR 89.3. Thank you. Truly, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.